0: On today's Locked On Texan podcast, Wave Wire and the AFC South Landscapes. A great man once said a change is going to come, so we're going to talk about how that change has finally came for the AFC South. Cody, it's Wednesday. We're back. Start the countdown. You are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome everybody to a Wednesday edition of the Locked On Texan Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team in the Houston Texans every day. I'm John some sports guy Hickman, joined by Sports Illustrated Cody Davis, here to discuss a couple of important news to start off the day uh, with the Houston Texans new players. And we got to mention, I know you guys are tired and don't <laughs> hear about the, the Sean Watson uh, news or whatever. But, but it's it important. Does, it's it's very, important. It's important and it does affect the Houston Texans. And so I want to start off today with the Houston Texans signed cornerback Kendall Sheffield claimed on waiver wire. He is from the Houston area. Played out in Marshall, and Fort area. Shout out to Mo City. Um, spent one season at Blinn Junior College after he left Alabama before transferring to Ohio State in college, his best year coming in his final year in 2018, where he totaled 35 total tackles, two for a loss, six pass deflections, and two interceptions. Drafted in the fourth round by the Falcons in 2019, and so far in his career, Sheffield has primarily been a special teamer. Also, the Houston Texans signed wide receiver, Connor Weddington. Now, there's a couple of pros and cons with this player here. Pros, played with Davis Mills and Stanford, ran a 4-4-40, has good hands and speed, and averaged nearly 28 yards per kick return during his career. Cons, not a lot of playing time in the NFL so far. Did not find the end zone much in college. Only has one TD in four years. And he also needs help as a rock runner and winning against man coverage. And so, Right now what the Houston Texans are doing, they're bringing in guys, claiming guys, signing guys in order to make sure that they are filling out this roster very well, making sure that if they need players on the practice squad to eventually step up, they have players that they have built and built trust with and some playing time with. I just think right now they are at a position where they are really wanting Cody and listeners out there to have a competitive offseason so they can really find out who will be the best of the best? Of course, we know you got to fill 11 guys on offense, 11 guys on defense, right? Then the 12th man is your uh, stadium in the NRG. But there's a lot of things that go into the roster. Situational players, third and long, third and, third and short players, right? We look at end zone coverages and how you want to play that with the red zone. Special teams, uh, kick return, punt return. All of these are very important, and Houston is, is just doing their due diligence on making sure they have the best guys available for their roster.
1: Yeah, and John, this is part of the reason why that a couple weeks ago and we talked about the possibility of the Houston Texans quote-unquote tanking isn't going to work because, like I mentioned, with them hiring Lovey Smith, with them giving Davis Mills an opportunity to go out there and showcase what he can do, with them keeping Laramie Tunsil, with them keeping Cooks, it show, it's showcasing that this is a team that actually want to go out there and actually compete. And we're going to talk about why in the next segment because of the whole the whole AFC South is starting to shift. And then last segment, we're going to close out. with talking about the possibility, a small chance that they just might be good enough just at least to put themselves in a position to compete for the playoffs, more so a wild card spot than anything. But John... Listeners and viewers, this also goes to kudos to Nick Casario because this is a guy who knows, he understands where the Houston Texans was when he got here. Not only did they have to deal with the foolishness and the shenanigans of Deshaun Watson, they had a terrible roster. A roster that went 4-12 and 12 prior to him getting here and now you are starting to see him putting together a team that is going to be at least manageable to where they can get that 12th man because y'all listeners and viewers... They didn't have a twelfth man.
0: It was bad, it was bad last <laughs> inside like
1: NRG Stadium last season. But you know, speaking of what Nick Casario had to go through last season, on yesterday, Josiel Anderson of CBS Sports she reported that the NFL they will send investigators down to texas they didn't say houston in general but i'm pretty sure it is going to be in houston but they're going to they're going to have an opportunity to meet with deshaun watson do their own investigation and determine whether or not they're going to suspend him how long his suspension is going to be for the upcoming season why is that important because there was a report that came out on monday we did not have an opportunity to discuss this but on monday a report came out that said that The NFL was trying their hardest to push Browns and Texans back as far as possible. Until towards the end of the uh, 2022 season. And it makes a lot of sense because this is actually going to be the third season in a row that the Houston Texans had an opportunity to play against the Browns the last two years. It was in Cleveland. If you remember, I think in 2020, they played against the Browns in week five. And of course, last year, as we all know, because that's the game we, you know, Tyrod Taylor, (laughs) we got the same old, same old Tyrod Taylor um, week two. They had an opportunity to play against the browns so it seemed like every time they played against the browns when you go back and take a look at past schedules it's always earlier in the season but for some reason all of a sudden the houston texans and the cleveland browns they're going to face off as we all know week 13 inside nrg stadium um john that is important news because not only does that let us know that you know there is a possibility that Deshaun watson will be suspended for at least half the season but that also means that he's going to be a lot healthier he's going to find his strive and he's going to be 100 by the time the browns play the texans inside nrg stadium so that might not be too good for the texans you know what you would you like to say oh you prepare for the worst but hope for the best <laughs> yeah but i will say this if there is no deshaun if he's suspended and there
0: is no deshaun for a certain amount of the season and, and which, by the way, the NFL, it shouldn't have this been done already.
1: Uh, you would but, think. If, but like I mentioned, like because they already knew he was sitting out last year and this is the NFL, sometimes when they act too fast, it's like that didn't make sense. Then sometimes when they act too slow, it's like you should have acted faster. So there was kind of a lose-lose situation. I guess they probably just want to just wait and see until he was in a position where, okay, I want to go out there and play. And they're like, okay, now let's let's see what we got to do with this situation. Well, in terms of the
0: Houston Texans, this could actually be a good thing if he does get suspended. Remember, they do own the Cleveland Browns' first-round pick for next season, and so let's say he goes out there, he gets a six-game suspension, which I think is the uh, the, the the minimum mm-hmm. suspension that somebody can get they're suspended by the NFL the first time for certain offenses. I mean, if he goes out there and get a six-game suspension, this game is in Week 14, so if he goes out there. And gets a, you know, whatever amount that does help the Houston Texans because Deshaun Watson would be the arguably best player on their roster if you're not including Miles Garrett. I think, you know, you can go back and forth between him and Miles Garrett, and some people may side with Miles Garrett, and I totally understand. But at that quarterback position, he is undoubtedly the most important. And if he's not on that field, we can see a version of the Cleveland Browns that we saw last year where they were winning games, well, they were losing games, excuse me, maybe they were supposed to lose, win, excuse me, I'm sorry. And so we know Baker Mayfield won't play for him this year. That relationship has soured and sailed. They did sign. Uh, Jacoby Brissett. They signed Brissett in the offseason. I don't think Brissett is a quarterback as respected as he is that can go out there and, and go undefeated for a certain amount of games, and so – That could possibly help the Houston Texans in the long run, but as a fan of the game, and and I hate to say this uh, because it does go against my morals, but I would like to see Deshaun Watson play in the NRG because I feel like that is a game where in return of everything that he did to the city of Houston, karma, I think karma will happen that day. Uh, Cody, I've been waiting to do this. i know waiting to do this. A new birthday cake, Bill Barr. Let me tell you guys something, okay? This is actually really good. There's only been a couple of Bill Bar flavors that I've enjoyed. But this new birthday cake, I just got it in the mail. Right. And I'm enjoying the hell out of it. Imagine dipping your finger into a plastic tub of birthday cake frosting. Then opening your eyes and realizing that was only 150 calories and 16 grams of protein, and that's what it's like when you eat one of these built bar uh puff birthday cakes. Man, you can see it's already gone. I've been eating this and snacking on it, uh, on a slick since we first started. I love it. And with only 150 calories, 16 grams of protein, only nine grams of sugar, this limited time flavor is amazing. Uh, an option for you if you're looking to be more healthier, get that flavor and variety in your day. You cannot beat this at all. Oh, my goodness, this is good. So go to Bill.com, use promo code LOCK15 to get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Bill.com. You can go ahead and uh, you go ahead and get one of these. Treat yourself. Don't cheat yourself. Welcome back in Locked On Texans viewers and listeners out there. You know, I kind of hinted at the beginning of the show that uh, a great man once said a change is going to come. And if y'all know who I'm talking about, then maybe you ain't a, a fan of this new Texan era team led by Lovey Smith. Because if I said that, I know he would probably sit back, <laughs> rub his beard, and say, you know, Sam Cook was a bad boy.
1: He really was.
0: Because he was. was. But the landscape of the afc south has slightly changed right and i think for the good and for the worst for a couple of teams now before we dive into how this affects the houston texans let's talk about a little bit of the changes that have been made so far starting with the not the houston texans the houston titans right but the uh, tennessee Mm -hmm. titans they drafted malik willis and trey lorenbergs they also traded for robert woods which is a move that happened this offseason that I don't think a lot of people are really paying attention to how good as a of a receiver white Robert Woods can be for that team. The coach trades Carson Wentz to the Washington Commanders trade for Matt Ryan and they also traded for Yannick Ngakwe. The Jaguars, they no longer have Urban Meyer. So that's a plus. Uh Doug Peterson is their new head coach, well-respected Doug Peterson. They upgraded their pass-catching corps with Christian Kirks, Zay Jones, and Everett Ingram. Signed linebacker Foy, along whom, and who, who also led the NFL in tackles last season with the Atlanta Falcons. And so, when you look at the Texans, yeah, they got a little bit better with blocking. Drafted Kenyon Green, also got Adrian McCann, went out there and drafted Derek Stingling in the Letting the rounds, you went out there and and drafted John Mechie. You were able to do a couple of things this offseason in terms of getting a more respectable head coach, getting a more – an OC, promoting Pep Hamilton to OC, who everybody is very excited for. The anticipation around his first season is at an all-time high. I haven't seen that energy for the Houston Texans for an OC in a very long time, if ever. So Mm. the AFC South soundtrack – the AFC South has done a a, a 180 – It may look completely different from last season. And if we're looking at what the Houston Texans are possibly going up against, the number one team I want to look at is still the team that won the division in the Tennessee Titans. And in prior years, in the past two to three years, your number one concern, if you were the Houston Texans, playing that team was Derrick Henry. This is why I wanted to talk about how the landscape can possibly look different for the AFC South this year. Since 2017, Derrick Henry's career broken missed tackle percentages per year goes from 23.3, 23.7, 21.5, 15.1. Last year, nine per, 9.6 per, per game that season. Now, one thing about Derrick Henry is his game is centered around bruising, taking punishment, giving punishment. And when I look at his broken tackles uh, per year percentage go down and now under 10% 10 at 9.6, to me this screams that the Tennessee Titans will have a decision to make this year. Remember, they lost Deontay Foreman. He's gone. They did sign Hassan Haskins, Haskins in the fourth round. They drafted him in the fourth round this season. But it, they're going to have to make a decision at whether or not or when they're going to put Malik Willis out there on that field, if the season mm-hmm. is salvageable or not, and if it's time to go ahead and make that trade, make that change. Because with Ryan Tannehill, we've seen his ceiling within healthy Derek Henry. We've seen his, season, his seat, ceiling, excuse me, when there is no Derrick Henry and you really have to entrust him, Cody, with that offense. And when I look at the injuries to Derrick Henry, how I think his game is going to be changed because his body may finally be catching up with him. And I'm not hoping this or wishing this upon him. I'm just looking at the facts of when he played 100% healthy, and when he came back from an injury, Derrick Henry was noticeably different and not as good or explosive. The landscape of that Tennessee tight team is so different, because if you go out there and midway through the season, if Ryan Tannehill is not getting it done, then they are going to put Malik Willis out there. What a Traylon Burks, what a Robert Woods, and how much can you really expect from that team to be explosive, to be as dangerous, to be as good as they were in the previous years when the healthy Derrick Henry was running the ball. Now compared to a Derrick Henry, nobody's 100% sure he's going to be able to bounce back fully from those last couple of injuries putting their rookie quarterback out there and in an AFC South. That's a whole lot different and better because now the next best team presumably will be the Indianapolis Colts under Matt Ryan. So in total, and this is something that Cody and I, along with our locked on AFC hosts and colleagues, will dive into throughout the offseason, maybe in the month of July when training camp starts. But to wrap it up, Cody, this is an AFC South that doesn't have a clear cut dominant team because a lot of the dominant players like a Derrick Henry. Well, we're unsure about him. The Indianapolis coach, how much does Matt Ryan have in the tank? And will he be a significant upgrade over Carson Wentz? I think he will, we'll wait and see. And then we you look at the Jacksonville Jaguars, they're in a position where there's so much new going on. We haven't really seen a lot of teams be able to be that competitive or be the best of the best of their division. they're trying to figure out a lot of different things on the fly so for the texans they are in a good spot they also have a lot of good uh new pieces which makes them right in the middle of the thick of things of new 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 that trend i just want to see how this landscape changes and how they'll be able to compete going up against teams that they're trying to figure it out just like them
1: and it's funny that you mentioned the indianapolis colts because john that is the one team i want to highlight And I get it, I understand it. There might be a little bit more uncertainty surrounding the Tennessee Titans. However, when you take a look at Traylon Burst, when you take a look at Malik Willis, I do believe that's going to be enough to keep the Tennessee Titans as the best team in this division. However, in terms of the Indianapolis Colts, let me be the first one to say this I do believe that Matt Ryan is better than Carson Wentz. I believed it yesterday, I believe it today, and I'm going to believe it tomorrow. However, when you take a look at the overall production of this team, a team that finished nine and eight, and a team that missed the playoffs by a game because they got demolished by the Jacksonville Jaguars last season, I'm not too sure if Matt Ryan is going to be enough to get this team back to where they want to be. And I only say that because Matt Ryan is 37 years old, and at some point, fall the time, will start showing itself. And two, and most importantly, you're looking at a situation where Ryan is asked to revamp his game, learn a whole new offensive game plan in Indianapolis when he basically been in the same system in Atlanta for over the last, what, 14, 15 years. And John, I understand it, and I know you love this stat of how, much better Matt Ryan will be when he has a damn good run game. Of course, the biggest example, Atlanta Falcons, when they went to the Super Bowl in 2016. Unfortunately, their run game did not help them bring a Super Bowl because they ran into the GOAT. But that's another story for another day. But John Even with him being paired with Jonathan Taylor, I still do not think that's going to be enough for the Colts to get back to being arguably the second best or the best team in this division, especially when you're considering that in Jacksonville, here in the city of Houston, these are two franchises that have been at the bottom of the NFL pit for so long to the point they are eager to overtake one of these teams. And I think the Colts might be a little bit more vulnerable than the Titans. The Colts. Oh, that's oh. that's the way I
0: see it. Well, but the so the thing is, if we're looking and we, if we're, we're if we're staying with the theme of the landscape, the Titans at this time are still the best team on paper in this division. I think the changes can come from Indy, Houston, and, and Jacksonville. However, when I talk about the Titans, if they are the big big fish in the pond. And they have these question marks surrounding them. I think teams have kind of figured them out. On top of Derrick Henry's injury, Uh, Ryan Tannehill—he is who he is, right? And you trade AJ Brown, a polished and established receiver, for Traylon Burke, who you drafted out of USC. Uh, He's—what are we going to get out of Traylon Burke in the NFL, right? And so that's a question mark. The question mark surrounding. Ryan Tannehill, which is an answer at this point the question marks surrounding Derrick Henry, those are three question marks that there's no definitive answer that's positive. That's why I would look at that team as they may have a, a little, you know, a chicken in armor that NFL teams are able to find out, figure it out, and attack that to where we know that your quarterback isn't going to be able to respond if this isn't happening in the backfield with them, and there's not a stud wide receiver that we have to – truly game plan for game in the game out whenever you play you guys in our division, that's a big question mark. And so I think that's why, but again, we'll talk about a lot of these things throughout the off season when we get our colleagues over at locked on Jags, locked on Colts, locked on Titans, that's always going to be fun to continue that trend throughout the season as well. So we'll get more into it. Our partners at Bet online continue to be the number one source for all of your betting needs and sports information. Find all the latest odds, the news, and sports developments, including this year's basketball playoffs, Major League Baseball scores, fights, and even next season's NFL futures. BetOnline is your continued source for all of your sporting wagering information, from live betting to the playoffs, esports, and much more. Head to the website today, or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Because line is where the game starts. Thanks for making Locked On Texans your first listen every day. Now make Locked On NFL your second listen. The schedule is out. Teams are preparing for who they got to play. Fans are going crazy. And the NFL never stops. Neither does Locked On NFL. Get insight, opinions from hosts including Ross Jackson, Chris Carter, and Tony Wiggins plus local locked on nfl hosts ripping all 32 squads there's no off season for real fans so make sure you're subscribed to locked on nfl on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast
1: and welcome back in ladies and gentlemen to this latest installment of locked on Texans and before we close out we still want to play around with the schedule and, John, unlike last year, I think we all can agree that we are expecting the Houston Texans to win more games, um, especially me. Last Thursday, when the schedule came out, my way too early prediction was the fact that, I <laughs> know it was the Super Bowl, but it was that, you know, there is a possibility that the Houston Texans can finish off the 2022 two season with a record of 10 and seven now look ladies and gentlemen listeners viewers john do i believe tennis seven is going to be where the houston texans stand at the end of the season no i do not however when i take a look at this schedule i just can't help but say that the houston texans have so many toss-up games that can actually work out in their favor when i take a look at the colts Jags, and Titans. We just talked about the AFC South changing. We know those are three teams that the Texans play two times a year. I think at least one, every single one of those games, especially the ones inside NRG Stadium, because I am expecting the Texans to have a better home atmosphere this year. The The games where the Texans play the AFC South counterparts inside NRG Stadium, I think that's a toss-up. And then when I take a look at outside of the division, when I take a look at the Eagles, the Giants, the Commanders, the Dolphins, those are other toss-up games that can actually work out in the Texans' favor. So literally, John, I just counted off what seven to eight games that I can that I can truly see the Texans winning. Once again, It's a toss-up. It could go either way. Do I actually expect the Texans to win all of these toss-up games? No, I do not. But I just can't help myself and just think about the improvements that we have seen from guys like Nico Collins, Davis Mills, Roy Lopez, whatever the case might be, in terms of the great talent that they was able to get in the draft, and there's just a whole new atmosphere, a whole new vibe, a whole new coaching staff. I just feel, in my opinion at least, that the Texans would be in a better position to win these toss-up games unlike last year.
0: And you have the Texans <laughs> making the playoffs?
1: I I mean, of course, based off of 10 and 7 I do, I think they have a shot though. That's 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 what I think. Like cuz like I just mentioned all these toss-up games. I could see them, what, the last week of the regular season. Of course, this all depends on development, how fast rookies can get, can catch on. You know, of course, coaching. Um, I just think there's a slim chance if everything goes right for the Houston Texans. Like, it seems to be over the last couple months. And it, see, look how you're looking at me. This is why I hate way too early predictions. Yeah, because I'm pretty I mean, sure the Giants, the Commanders, Miami, they're all saying the same thing. It's a toss-up, but we're going to win. <laughs> you don't think there's not even the slimmest chance? And by the way, this is a fan well, base. Well, this is a fan base where we had to address a couple of weeks ago they are not about to be the Cincinnati Bengals. I, I, I want to throw that out there. Do I think
0: there's a slight chance? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I do. There's, a, I do think there's a slight chance. I mean, I also think there's a slight chance I dunk again. I Also think there's a slight chance I win the lottery. I think there's a slight chance I may get a date with Beyonce. But the realistic, the reality of it is, all of those are slight chances. And the the so the thing is. We really have to wait until the preseason mm-hmm. to see what type of players and what progression and the coaching and the developments. Right now in May, do I think they're going to make a make the playoffs? No. Not at all. Not at all. I So, like for the Bengals, they had drafted Joe Burrow the year prior, and he was damn good. And they also had a great where they had T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd before they drafted Jamar Chase. So they already had two very good wide receivers and Joe Mixon. <laughs> right? And so, like, they already had firepower. We gotta see what Nico does. We, we gotta see what Mills does. As much as we like Mills here on the show, we gotta see if Brandon Cook still got it. I think he does. We gotta see if John Metric can be what we think he can be, right? That's a lot of question marks compared to people who said, well, the Bengals did it, which I I was one of those people because I do think there's a slight chance. But they already had concrete good players on their roster. Um, And they had Joe Burrow, arguably one of the greatest, if not the greatest college quarterback, single-season college quarterback of all time. So, no, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. I don't even want to draw this on and give you why. I just don't. (laughs) I just don't. It's not, it's okay. it's not going to happen right now. So that's just me. It's shout okay. out to my it's boy, Chad. He's a former Texan fan, and he's like many others who have been putting in applications to find uh, new franchises to roll with because they just got off got the bandwagon. So, oh, Chad, if you're goodness. listening to this show, if you made it to this point, shout out to you, man. The Patriots always got room.
1: Oh, whatever. But look, at the end of the day, as we sit here on May 18, 2022, I think the Texans come week 18, what is it, week 18 now, yeah. 17, whatever the case might be. That extra week is still throwing me off. But the last week of the regular season, I do believe we we could be looking at a possibility. We'd be one of those teams. If X team and B team loses and the Texans win this game, they will, they will make the playoffs as a wild card spot. I'm just saying. I'm just throwing that out there right now because I believe in this coaching staff. I believe in the players, and I believe in this new culture.
0: Thank you guys for checking out today's episode of the Locked On Texas podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at LockedOnTexas.
1: And as always, I'm your host, Cody Davis. Please remember to follow me on Twitter at CodyDavis underscore 24. Once again, that's Cody, C-O-T-Y-D-A-V-I-S underscore 24. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, peace.